want to welcome you to our Bethel podcast, and we're going to have a great uh, opportunity to get to know someone here today. I'm so blessed that we have Gail White with us. Welcome, Gail, to the Bethel podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Gail, you've been a part of Bethel now for like 20 years. I think you and I arrived here about the same time. I believe we did. Yes. Yes. And uh, it's been an exciting journey and uh, just such a blessing to have Gail part of our congregation and she's been involved with a number of different outreaches and ministries over the years. But when you let's go back to when you first arrived at Bethel because we want to get into your story a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, you arrived at Bethel. How did you end up coming to Bethel? I think it was through your daughter. Yes, I wanted my daughter to have friends that I admired but were not friends with in high school. Okay. So some of the kids in high school went off to youth groups and had a really tight-knit bunch, and I was always a little jealous, if I'm honest, and I wanted that for Megan. Okay, so at this point you weren't going to church anywhere. No, we were not going to church at that time. But you had a faith in God at that still at that point? or like what? Tell me a little bit about your faith journey, how that began, before even just coming to Bethel. Yeah, I, the interesting thing is I, I believe I gave myself to Christ, accepted him as my savior when I was about five, but because we didn't go to church very often, I didn't know what that looked like, and I assumed in my youth that, that he did not, um, did not, you know, enter me into the kingdom as it were. Okay. I didn't know how that worked. And so I kind of went on my own way, and I got to the point where I just kind of went, well, he's not real, because right. if he was real, then I would know. Right. Uh, and as Megan got older, and her babysitters were Christians, there were these this lovely couple down the street, I called them the Christians down the street, that would pray for us all the time and invite us to things. And that slowly opened the door. And, and when Megan got to an age of around 11, okay. or maybe a little younger, I knew that that was kind of a pivotal time for her, right? and I really wanted her to have good Christian friends. And so that's why we came. So faith um, wasn't really a big part of your life at that point then. No. Not really, okay. <laughs> Maybe non-existent. Is that fair to say? Or I think I, was, I think I was ready to accept that it was real. Right. And uh, Pastor Gary and I talked for about an hour and a half before I came to my first service because I wanted oh, okay. to know a little bit about the pastor and what the church was all about. Very good. And, and he is a very interesting, charismatic, fun-loving guy, okay. and that really appealed to me as the leader of the church. Right. So Pastor Gary Nettleship, who you're referring to, who was the lead pastor at that time. Yes. We're talking about the year 2000, right around there, 1999, 2000. Yeah, That's, something like that. Yeah. Because I came in 2000. Yeah. So um, you had this experience as a young child, but really you didn't grow up in a Christian home or religious home or faith-filled home. But when your daughter, who's becoming a teenager in a couple of years, and mm-hmm. you wanted her connected with some good friends, and was faith a, a part of that as well? You're wanting to have a faith connection for her or more just the pure, some good quality people? That's a very good question. I never really thought about it as two separate things. Okay. I always thought about it as sort of a package deal. Sure. She would, um, probably the primary thing would be good friends, but I, I like the idea of a faith connection, and she always appeared to be quite spiritual. As I mean, she had a Christian babysitter, and they took her to church all the time, and then she had some Christian friends in the neighborhood. Um, so, yeah, I guess it was a package deal. Okay. Mm. 
So, I mean, I commend you. You actually investigated this church a little bit. Like, you didn't just oh, yeah, I send her off. Yeah. <laughs> so you actually came and met with the pastor and said, what yeah. are you all about? Right. So that, you said an hour and a half conversation. Yeah. So yeah. tell us about a little bit about that. Was that a turning point for you then as well, or just brought you a sense of ease about your daughter attending Bethel? I really felt like Pastor Gary was trying to get me to understand that I could accept Jesus and there was no price for it. Okay. He said, if I give you a $2 bill and you take it, it's free. Right. Like, I'm just going to give it to you. He said, that's what faith is like. I just give it to you and you take it and it doesn't cost you anything. Okay. And I thought that was one of the things that I remembered. I didn't remember a whole lot else other than how I felt while I was here. Okay. So he was emphasizing the free gift of salvation. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. But you felt comfortable enough that Megan started attending. So we came together. Okay. Um, and I remember that. To a church service. To here. a church service okay. on Sunday. Not just saying her youth group. But. No, I didn't go to her youth group. Right. I didn't want to embarrass okay. her. Okay, your first, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're very good. You're a good mom. <laughs> Uh, so your first church service here at Bethel, you say you remember? Uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, Vin and Tuan Lai were here. They were on the door and okay. just such Vietnamese a... Vietnamese couple that used to attend here and they're, they're now back in Vietnam serving God. Yeah. And they full were of life and... Full of life and joy and happiness. Church was not like that when I was a child. Right. And I just felt at home. From the moment I walked in the sanctuary, I wow. felt at home. And that was that. That's awesome. We have many people that say that actually today. I just met a lady and... She said, I felt her first time here. She says, I'm now here. This yeah. is home. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So you came to your first service. And then how long? You had this conversation with Pastor Gary. You come to your first service, felt comfortable. I'm assuming it was a pretty natural next step for you to receive the Lord and come to a place of Christian commitment. Or what was the process of that? Yeah, I, I think it came fairly quickly. Yeah. I believe... When Megan was 13, okay. so we had been here probably two years about that time, we um, both got baptized the same day. Okay. And that day was the first day I felt this had this burning urge to say something. Okay. Because at that time, they would ask you questions and you would kind of answer. And I remember Pastor Gary saying, does anybody have anything that they want to just say spontaneously? And I had this burning desire to say something, but I was terrified. Okay. And so I did not. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but do you remember a moment where, like, you made that commitment, you said a prayer, like you, or was it a bit of a, an evolution, a journey? I probably did it, like, three or four times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just that. That constant rededication. I did it once, and that sure. felt great. But as as I felt led, I just kept rededicating and rededicating and rededicating. Yeah. And yeah, well, I think for a lot of people, it's just you're growing in understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's yeah. like you're introduced to someone, and and even though you meet them a second time, you're still, hey, my name is, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. nice to meet you again, yeah. and because yeah. you're developing a relationship. Right, yeah. right, yeah. So you were feeling very comfortable here at home here. Megan was feeling very comfortable here. Yeah, Megan loved it here too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So at that point you came, um, like as a single mom, you had been married and, and had been divorced, or you divorced? I divorced shortly after that. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that was, a, I'm sure, a challenging time in your life. Yes. How important was faith and being here at Bethel in that time for you? That was pretty important. I okay. felt like... 
when I came here, my feet were like tied to the rock, like yeah. um, bolted to the rock, and the winds were blowing around me, insane craziness. And I just remember being very peaceful and calm when I came here, like protected. Right. Yeah. So I have some great memories of Megan. Mm. Um, as we're going to get into your story, Megan has has passed. She's, I like to put it this way, graduated into heaven. Yeah. Um, and um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I remember in a revival season that we had here in 2006, we had many, many services, and Megan was certainly a big part of that. Uh, she was very... Um, uh, I use the word quirky, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way, I mean in a positive way, but she was a unique girl, um, she had her own sense of style, and yeah. was very um, free in a lot of ways, um, at least that's the way I perceived her, um, like she, she wanted to be a part of a group of friends, but didn't have to be friends with everybody, so to speak, is that true, is that, like yeah. she liked her group, um, and she was very free in worshiping the Lord. Um, like I just remember her very like dancing and mm-hmm. yeah, she just had yeah. a very, uh, I would say, a pure love for the Lord at that point and yeah. sincere and enthusiastic. All of those things, and yeah. she was pretty fussy with whom she spent her time with. Right. Although she loved everybody. Right. right. She would protect herself and. Although she would be open to people who weren't Christians, I mean, she would pray openly at at school and things like that. Um, but she was very aware of um, bad influences, perhaps. Yeah. And I can remember one time she came home and she said, "My friends were smoking," and I told them they weren't my friends anymore. <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, that's really yeah. that's very interesting for a young girl right. to say that to be able to say, I don't like what you're doing." You need to go over there. And she was very protective of herself. Right. But that's not mm. to say, because I know this about Megan, she mm. really had a caring heart for, like, if she saw someone was hurting. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it, not, it didn't just translate to people, even to pets and animals mm. and stuff, right? She had a real yeah. af- affection for yeah. pets and things. like. So if, if someone was a bit isolated or lonely or not fitting in the group, Megan would have the capacity to bring those people in or at least reach out to them in some way. Yeah, she yeah. she really did love people, um, especially children yeah. and animals. And yeah. we we laugh about goats because she yeah. loved goats for some crazy reason. Right. That was, yeah, that's just one of those funny weird things. Right. That, yeah. So she's part of the youth group here, mm-hmm. and uh, you know life has kind of gotten into a bit of a normal uh, arrangement for you and her. And now you're a single mom with with this. Uh, teenage daughter and mm-hmm. and uh, as life goes on she from high school while well, while she was in high school went a couple times on a short-term missions trip to Los Angeles with our youth group yeah and she really liked that she really liked that yeah so yeah. We, the, our youth group went to a place called the Dream Center which is a, a church and but it has a big multi outreach programs and so our kids would go a few times uh, March break and she was a part of those trips, and yeah, yeah. What did that do for her? I remember when she came back and she said, "Mom, when I graduate high school, I'm going there." There was no debate; okay. it had been decided yeah. in her mind, right? And God made it happen. Yeah. And were you comfortable with that at first, or were you nervous, or? No, I, I always trusted Megan to make her own decisions. Okay. She's very independent, but she would always be open to feedback. So we could always have really good conversations yep. about whatever it was that was happening. And 
she wanted to go, so she went. And that's what happened. And that's what happened. So after high school, she went not just for one year, but... No, for two. Two years. Two years. Wow. And you had been down there and then a couple times to see what... Oh, yeah. 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 Of course I'm going to go to L.A. when my daughter's there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> of course. I'm not going to miss that chance. Sure. Yeah. And uh, so that was a big thing in her life. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so then she, after a couple of years of that, and in fact, um, well, I'll just go on. She then went to Ottawa. Was that right? For university? Yeah. So she came home for two years okay. to try and figure out what she wanted to do. Yeah. And then she, she kept saying to me, I think I want to be a teacher. And I'm going, don't be a teacher. You won't get a job. And she kept repeating it. And finally, I stopped one day and I went, oh, oh, oh this is what she wants to do for her life. I, I don't know why I didn't see it right away. But she is very persistent, and um, she got into the concurrent program in Ottawa, in which you do your undergrad degree as well as your teaching degree at the same time. So five-year degree, you don't have to apply to teacher's college afterwards because it starts basically in year one. Okay. She was pretty excited about that. Great. Yeah. So she was doing well there, enjoying life. and Yeah, she did really well there. Yep. She. Worked at McDonald's. She called herself the Kitchen Princess, which I always thought was so wonderfully funny. And, yeah, lived downtown and had great friends. So how many, was she there for a year or more? One year. One year. One year. Okay. So during that time, she uh, went to Paris for a little vacation, Paris, France, Mm -hmm. not Paris, Ontario. (laughs) And uh, she had a boyfriend at that time. And, yeah, yeah, so they were there. And um, you were in Ottawa. If I understand, when she was there. Um, She flew to Paris on Friday, and I drove to Ottawa on Friday. So I'd actually missed her. Okay. I didn't see her. I went to buy a new fridge and to, you know, do some maintenance items at her house while she was away. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then you got some, uh, uh, the most devastating Mm -hmm. phone call that has just altered your life in a significant, huge way. Yeah. So can yeah. we just go there for just a moment? To, sure. You know. It's pretty hard, especially yeah. at Christmas time. I was walking downtown to pick up some things for the house that Megan was living in in Ottawa. She had three roommates. And I remember walking into a pizza place because I thought, I'm just going to get a slice of pizza on my way downtown. And my phone rang. And this man is speaking French to me. Which I do speak, but the, as soon as he said El Moore, that's all I heard. Because that means she's dead. And I looked at the pizza guy, and I said, do you speak French? Because in Ottawa, everybody speaks French. And I shoved my phone, when he nodded, I shoved my um, phone at him, and I said, I think my daughter's dead. And he just looked at me, horrified, of course, and grabbed the phone and listened. And the whole time he's shaking his head, and I'm going, oh, it's true. Oh, my God, it's true. Um, I can't imagine, so you're like all by yourself downtown at this random pizza place. Yeah. And you get this phone call. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I'm walking. Right. So after the... So you have to leave the pizza place and walk to... Walk home. Well, I didn't go shopping. Right. No, I. I but your <laughs> mind just been must have been... It was dead. My mind was dead. I mean, how right. do you process that? Did you have a sense what happened? Like, did you... Think... I knew I knew what happened because Megan had epilepsy. I right. knew what happened. 
or I thought I knew what happened. Right. I mean, I was right. Right. But the immediate... You assumed. I assumed that... And yeah, you were right in your assumption. Yeah. Yeah. And she passed away in her sleep. So she passed away in her sleep. I did yeah. talk to her boyfriend because he's the one that found her, which yeah. I found out much later. And he was, I'm so sorry, I didn't protect her. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he had gone to work, she went to bed, and uh, didn't wake up. So, and how old was she then? So she was 23. Okay. And that that was pretty horrifying. I can remember talking, I, there were some neighbors were sitting out on the porch, and, and I just walked up to them and stunned looking and said, I, I just found out my daughter's dead. I've never met these people in my life. And they immediately came off the porch and hugged me. Wow. They were yeah. total strangers to you. Total strangers. Yeah. Neighbors in the neighborhood. Yeah. Never met before. And that was pretty wonderful of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then you go about the busyness of we flew to France and right. all visited the... her and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that began for you a whole season, period of time of... Obvious grief, but processing a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but... But she was the center of my life. I mean, right. uh, sure, I had I had friends, and I had a job, yeah, and I had Jesus is, and all that. This is your only child. This is my only child. Yeah. I was not married. Yeah. I was dating somebody, and, you know, sort of had stepkids. But that was the... She was the center of my life. And so my life had been sort of planned in my head. I'm going right. to be a grandma, and she's going to get married soon, and right. and become a teacher. And she talked about coming back to Sarnia because there are several uh, French schools that she could teach at because she was studying in French. And we kind of had that all planned. And yeah. to then have to replan your life right. was kind of tough. Fortunately... I never got angry with God. And I say fortunately because for me that was very fortunate. I know some people do, and that's perfectly okay. If you're angry with God, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. He's got big shoulders. He can take it. Right. But for me, uh, the world seemed very fragile and very losable. And I felt like at any moment I could lose anything. If I had lost her, I could lose anything. Right. And so I really just spent a lot of time saying, what do you want me to do today, God? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'll just, I just, you know, even when I couldn't see him through the fog, if that makes sense, that fog of grief, I just closed my eyes and, you know, envisioned him in front of me and just said, you know, one, whatever that next step is, you just tell me and I'll do it. I don't know what that is. So some of those early days, weeks, months, mm -hmm. just like what would be like going through a day for you or like just... You obviously took some time off work just for... Yeah, they gave me yeah. five months off work. I was yeah. so grateful. Yeah. So lucky to have that. Right. Um, it's very kind. Very kind. Yeah. Um, so what and did I needed. Do? I'm sure needed. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting that people will tell you what they think you should do. Right. Because they want to help you, but they have no idea what that means. Now, I say needed. Was it needed for you? I would think so, to have that time off. But then mm -hmm. you... But then you have a yeah. lot of spare time, right? Is that helpful? Was that helpful to you? I imagine in some ways, how would you, you need just to cope, like just even doing simple things would be challenging. I don't know. I haven't walked in that, so I'm asking. I hope you never do. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, initially, for the first several months, 
uh, the only place I could go without crying was church. Okay. And I cried a lot every day. I could not read. And it wasn't, it's not, the, the interesting thing is not that you're just sad. Hmm. The interesting thing is that your brain doesn't function. And I, that probably sounds obvious. But what is not obvious is I couldn't read. Okay. I'm an avid reader. I have re- read my whole life. I right. have books and books, bookshelves full of books. I couldn't read anything. I couldn't remember from one sentence to the next what the previous one said. It wow. just didn't work. Wow. I couldn't pay bills anymore. I have spreadsheets. Like, I'm a spreadsheet right. bill person. I couldn't pay bills anymore. Sometimes I would pay Bell twice, and sometimes I wouldn't pay the other another two. It, it was constant yeah. for probably that went on for probably a couple of years. Okay. Um, so yeah, your brain doesn't function properly. And so it was a very good thing that I didn't. Working in an oil refinery, there's a safety sensitive position. Sure. It was very good that I was not there. Right, right. I understand. Yeah. So just talk a little bit about your steps for healing and recovery in all of this. Mm. And what maybe you would say to someone who has experienced loss. I mean, loss in some ways, obviously there's different degrees of loss, or if that's even the way to put it, Um, like there's a sense that loss is loss, and then of course there's greater loss or lesser loss, Mm -hmm. but, but it can still, it still hurts no matter what the loss is, right? I mean, it's just, um, yeah, for someone, see, I lost my, both of my parents, one before and one after Megan, Okay. and there was a marked difference in my response to both of those and it had nothing to do with being closer to one versus the other I lost my mom first and that was devastating I did a lot of you know going to pick up the phone and oh yeah I can't so there was that level of sadness and I I don't want to diminish anybody's sadness if they've lost a parent and they're struggling because it's hard And then, but nothing's like loss of a child. I mean, I, well, the yeah, the loss of Megan. I mean, I couldn't even read a book. I couldn't. Right. I couldn't read anything. So I, sometimes I couldn't walk down the hallway and remember what I was doing. Halfway down the hallway, I would sometimes I would stop and stare up the stairs and go, I don't know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and then just fall to my knees and cry. That mm-hmm. didn't happen after my mom died. Right. I love my mom, but it didn't happen like sure. that. Um, I I I think my biggest piece of wisdom for anybody is is to follow what your heart tells you to do and that's an everyday occurrence so if today it feels good to lay on the couch and cry and sob and eat chocolates you know do that for a day Mm -hmm. and if tomorrow you don't want to do that that's okay too okay your heart will be your guide the holy spirit will be your guide and there's no right way to do that and my grief is not greater than anybody else's. Right. So what I think I hear you saying there, I mean, you know, grief can manifest in a whole variety of ways, right? I mean, there's For sure. times just deep sadness. Sometimes you feel nothing at all. Is that true? I mean, you just kind of, sure. and almost you feel guilty then for not feeling and, yeah. and or just numb or, or, or like sometimes you're just emotional. The other time you don't, you don't feel, and everybody responds differently, right? Yeah. Some people and, are angry and. Yeah. So you, you got to give yourself some grace. Like I think of yeah. what Jesus said, you know, blessed are those who mourn, which sounds so crazy at first. Like what blessings there in mourning? But then mm-hmm. he went on to say, for you'll be comforted. Right. And I think that um, like the grace and allowing yourself some space to mourn and mm-hmm. to, you know, if you need that time to just cry, if you need that time to... 
you know, whatever, um, that, that's going to bring some sense of just even release. And I think that the, I mean, you can tell me better, but like, like grief can be such a huge thing. It almost has to be released in little, little bits or whatever. Like it's, is, does that make any sense? Yeah. In, um, in my learnings, I, I've been um, going to the hospital in London and visiting p patients in a spiritual care department capacity. Yeah. And one of the things that they talk about is dosing, where you release, you know, give yourself 10 minutes and you can cry or scream or rant or whatever you need for 10 minutes. I couldn't do that right away. Mm -hmm. And some people can. Some people want to go to work and want to be busy. I, I would caution you in that. I, I'm not trying to tell you what to do because you get to decide. But if you go back to work too early, those feelings and emotions will still be there. You can run away from them for a little while, but they will come back. And you right. need to, and my saying is you need to feel it to heal it. Right. You have to go through the terrible muck and mire of the ugliness of feeling terrible. Now, did you ever, <clears throat> and I, if this is too sensitive and mm. I don't want to put you on, but did you ever feel like your own despair, or like even like not wanting to go on with life? I'm not sure. Like, I don't know, suicidal yeah. or, or maybe not outright suicidal, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Like in some ways, I don't know how you wouldn't feel that at times yeah. because of the, you know, tremendous loss and the feeling of like, what purpose is, is there what's anymore? What's the point? What's the point? Right. What's the point? So sure. in those cases, when you're feeling that way, you don't necessarily want to follow your heart in that. I mean, you want to. No. Right. Right. No. So there's a. So when I say follow your heart, I guess I, what makes you feel better? Um. Because there was a moment, there was a night, where uh, they had given me some medication. I think it's called lorazepam. And when you start feeling that really bad anxiety, uh, you can take that. And it just kind of shuts your mind off so that you can sleep and rest. And I thought that night, it was was a terrible night. I called one of the ladies from church. And, and uh, the... So I thought about taking a bunch of those just because I, I just wanted the world to be black because it was really hurting. Right. And I tried calling several people, but nobody answered. Okay. And so this lovely woman answered, and I was beside myself that nothing she would have said would have been right. Hmm. But what she did for me was kept me on the phone long enough until I... Because I almost felt really numb. Like, I didn't feel anything, and I just thought, well, it's, you know, really, what's the point? She got me back into a place where... I felt the pain again, okay. and then I realized what had happened. I got very scared. I talked to my counselor about it. We made a little safety plan of, I gave it to my friends. If I call you and say, I need help, these Wait. are the questions you need to ask me to help me get okay. out of my funk, if you will. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I think we're kind of establishing a few things here just in our discussion. One is, you do have to allow yourself grace and space to grieve. Right. I mean, again, Jesus said uh, it's it's important that you grieve because then the comfort and the healing can come. Like you said, mm -hmm. you have to feel it, it to heal it, it right? <laughs> and a lot of times we don't want yeah. to feel it, but you no. have to you have to walk through it. But you do get through it, and and uh, you know it's a process. Everybody, it's a bit of a different process. Um, I think sometimes people get a bit stuck in certain places, but we have to be very give grace and space to people that are going through grief, especially when we've never walked through that journey. 
And then for the person that's going through that journey, that they have to give themselves some grace and space mm-hmm. to grieve. And I agree with you, you said earlier, that God is bigger and big enough to handle our questions, uh, our frustrations, even our anger at times, you know. And, uh, of course, we can get into theology here, but God gave his son, you know, in a mm-hmm. sense lost his son, um, even though it was for a moment. And the truth is, even for yourself, you've only, if we use the term loss, Megan, it's only for a moment this season, you know, the promise of, of heaven and eternal life and that Megan's in our future. So there's definitely a sense that God is um, compassionate and, you know, but we have to work through all the questions. Where was God? The wise? It sounds like you didn't necessarily have a lot of those questions, but so just talk to me a little bit about like how you, how you did did, and I realize even today there's still a sense of grief and loss and like you're still sure. in a way processing, but you've come a long way mm-hmm. and uh, I admire you and your faith and and uh, what you've been able to do with that and we're going to get into that. But just uh, for just a moment, um, like the, the, the value of faith and how God helped you in that. Yes, you have to give yourself space to express sorrow and grief and yes you need friends and sometimes you need something just to help you bring peace but but i mean god obviously has to be in all of that and um Mm -hmm. uh, right i mean yeah um he was just always there and a lot of conversations with god a lot of conversations i was never really angry with him i didn't it's the interesting thing i didn't think he took her away from me right because I knew we, we came from him. Yeah. She was a gift to me for a while. Right. And then he took her home. Yeah. So he received her home. He didn't take her anywhere. Right. He received her home. It was an accident. Um, maybe she took her medication. Maybe she didn't. I don't know. Yeah. So that was some comfort. Knowing she was a Christian. Knowing that she did go home to him helped a lot yeah and yeah I just I just was never really angry I was sad obviously I would think church and I'm not saying this just because I'm a pastor but most Sundays you sit right behind me I do (laughs) (laughs) and I'm singing really loud so I don't hear too many people because I sing right up but you know like to come in to hear these songs of faith whether you sing them or just looking at the words or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, to me they're so powerful to have that affirmation, a weekly affirmation, and obviously for it's even daily, but that, that sense of coming to church and mm-hmm. the presence of God and people around you, and yeah. um, I'm sure that was important in your walk through all of this. It was extremely important. It was, I think I said earlier, the only place I could go that I didn't cry yeah. and sometimes I did weep in church but um, I cried everywhere but here why would that be I wonder I, I don't know I think it was just such a, a great place to be mm-hmm. um, so comforting and so so wonderful I just always feel so wonderfully wrapped in the arms of God when I'm here wow Praise God. That's beautiful. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And so that wasn't as strong elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, I did follow God. I knew he was there. Yeah, yeah. But I could put the grief aside a little bit and come to church and just praise him. And 
And that felt really good. Now, the one thing I've been so impressed with you about is in this journey that you have taken this, you know, in working through the loss and all that, but you're you're using it to help other people, which mm-hmm. I think is so key, mm-hmm. right? Because everything we experience in life should be used to help others, and there's such a healing in that. So I know that you've run here at Bethel a grief, we call it grief share, you've run a few times. Yep. Uh, you're currently uh, getting some training as the potential for future in chaplaincy. Yes. Yeah, talk so a little cool. bit about that. I love doing that. and. I knew God had a plan, and I just said, just tell me what it is. Yeah. But I'm kind of a slow wormer-upper, which he knows. So he's going, no, here's one step. I want you to do this. And here's another. And then, yeah, do this. So the chaplaincy thing. I met a gentleman named Mike Dupe who runs the, coordinates the senior ministry at nursing homes and he said hey would you be interested and I immediately went yes (laughs) (laughs) and when I tried to figure out what it was that his job was I came across this website and then there was training in it and I went oh this is cool so I'm at London Health Sciences uh, Mondays one day a week and then another day a week of group work and I I laugh because I don't feel trained although I, I am good with people I just I I laughed to myself and went they're gonna let me talk to people like serve them in the hospital and when I told my supervisor that she said that's why we have an interview process and you have to write essays and we get recommendations and then I just kind of chuckled and went yeah okay well I'm not just somebody off the street right Right. (laughs) (laughs) but I love doing it I love being able to connect with people The beautiful thing about this whole grief journey is the miraculous moments that I get to spend with other people, and not necessarily just about grief. I I had a wonderful conversation with this gentleman who became a dad at, I think it was 45, and he was excited to change diapers. So we were working the night shift in an oil refinery, and we're in the middle of the plant talking about how wonderful it is to be a parent and I am weeping in the middle of the plant I'm all got geared up and I am so grateful that he did not stop his story very good it was just so many beautiful moments so in the hospital the same thing happens I get to pray inside a hospital and I think that is amazing and even who people even people who don't know Jesus I get to share his love with them. Yeah. Whether they don't know what it is or it's not. beautiful. So you're working, uh, this is sort of uh, after your career, when you retire and mm-hmm. a few years down the line. Yeah. Uh, to then move into something of chaplaincy, but you're preparing now for your next yes. season and mm-hmm. already being involved with that. You're also giving leadership to our nursing home ministry. Mm-hmm. So if anybody that's listening here, you're getting to know Gail and we have some good number of people that have come on board to help us and I'm sure you could always use others but always yeah yeah but it's a tremendous opportunity the nursing homes are looking for people to come in and just um, be a friend to seniors and do church services with them and or other activities and yeah yeah it's, yeah. A, it's a pretty cool thing yeah um Often, Saturday night, I have to confess, this is my confession to you, just me and you. On Saturday night, I think, oh, 
I gotta preach tomorrow. Oh, I gotta get a message tomorrow. I have. I can't relate. <laughs> and then Sunday, I get up and I go. I get to do this today. Right. And sitting in our sanctuary and worshiping Jesus and listening to you preach or your sister preach, I just feel so pumped to go to the senior ministry. And it's such a change from Saturday night. And I was sharing that with Pastor Patricia. And she said, well, that's because it's God. And I went, oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, Gail, um, so which leads me to the next thing, and that is this is our fourth year of doing a Christmas community memorial service. Mm-hmm. So every year, our fourth year now, we do a one-hour service. This year it's going to be Wednesday, December the 11th of 2019. And uh, it's just an hour for giving some time and space for people who have experienced loss, whether recent or past, mm-hmm. and to... Give a place in the Christmas season for that loved one to remember, to honor, to say you're not forgotten. Mm-hmm. And because, um, you know, when, when loss happens, traditions get broken. There's an empty place at the table. Uh, and it can be such a difficult time. Christmas can be a difficult time for people because that loved one is not there. And and certain and, and like, what do you do with that? Do you just then move on and, and never... No, you want to have a place to you know, just to have some opportunity to honor their memory and to, and to reflect even on, on the gospel and to bring the words of Christ to us and the comfort that, that brings of the hope of heaven and eternal life. And so we've been doing this now four years, mm-hmm. and every year you uh, give a talk in that memorial service. You do such a great job. And, uh, yeah, tell us just whatever you want to say about, about that. You can't see me now, but I am grinning. Yeah, Because I true. love doing it. <laughs> yeah. There's something really beautiful and magical about setting aside that time to acknowledge your loved one. Yeah. And to be with other people that are going through the same thing. And I get to say something meaningful to people that touches them. And yeah. I am... I cannot tell you how grateful I am that, that you allow me to do this. Yeah. I am so incredibly blessed and excited and yeah and and then many more beautiful moments of sharing come out of that right so much comfort there's a lot of people here who sit with the attendees and um, speak with them and a little bit about their loved ones and such a beautiful moment at church yeah to share with others yeah it really is a beautiful service it's got uh it's just an hour but it's um some music and sing some Christmas carols, some prayers. Uh, you you share a little bit. I'll, I'll share a little bit. But it's just to bring com- some comfort and give that time and space for honoring, remembering, mm-hmm. and looking to the Lord for His strength. And uh, it's just a, it's a real beautiful time at Christmas time. And our mm-hmm. church is lovely decorated, and yeah. it's very warm. And and so if you're listening today and uh, you're picking this up. And, and you get it before, uh, you know, uh, this Wednesday, which is December the 11th of 2019. So it depends when you listen to it. But mm-hmm. if, you, if you've picked it up before then, we'd love to have you join us or invite someone. And we have a little fellowship time afterward where people can stay and have some refreshments and some goodies. And Yeah. Yeah. So, Gail, you know, um, I've seen you walk through some pretty, mm-hmm. I mean, very challenging 
circumstance that life can bring and uh, loss, but I don't look at you as a person in grief. Aww. I look at you as a happy, contributing <laughs> minister of the gospel, and uh, I see joy on you, you know? And that's such an evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of God in your life, and, and the choices you've made along the way. And I, I appreciate because of your honesty, you've, um, you know, um, as we've have you journeyed with you in this, and some of it you just have to journey alone too, but, um, you know, you're, you're very honest, you're very um, uh, just real, genuine, authentic, those will all be words, um, but... You know, and you had to work through some things, but you didn't stay or get stuck. And you've come through, and now, like, your joy is... And you see the purpose you have in life and and to make a difference in other people's lives. And, mm. and uh, you know, I just see lots of joy. Uh, and you're right. If you could see Gail just <laughs> grinning from ear to ear here. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. you. That's very kind. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wondered for a long time if joy would ever happen yeah if it would ever occur in my life again and and it did and it has and I remember the first time I felt sheer joy I think I told you about it because I felt kind of weird in the car I was driving in the car and I went what is going on in my thinking in my head and I went I'm happy like that is sheer joy I can't remember why I was joyful but I remember that feeling came coming to me for the first time and recognizing it again in my life yeah and that was such a wonderful thing. It will come. Yeah. It will come. So just as we finish here today, uh, whether you want to just have a prayer or just speak a word of hope to somebody that uh, may be going through a bit of a challenging time right now, whether loss or maybe some other circumstances that's just, you know, maybe there's relationship troubles or or whatever troubles that people are having right now. And what's a word of hope that you can give and maybe just to want to say a prayer for them. And yeah. A word of hope. Yeah. Here's my word of hope. Great. You have everything in you that you need to heal. Yeah. Everything is there. Jesus can help you. The Holy Spirit can help you, but it's already there. Okay. And so I just pray today Amen. that you will find everything that you need and that it will come to the surface and you will be able to walk through this grief, through that muck and through the ugliness, and then into a place of peace and joy and happiness, just like I did. I will walk with you if you want somebody to talk to. I'm always here on Sundays. Yeah. So for somebody who's listening and would like to have an opportunity to talk with someone, maybe that's been through, mm-hmm. you're, you're available. I'm available. And uh, you can uh, just call the church office and say, I'd like to talk to this Gail White. Or uh, look for me on Sunday and the lady sitting behind me. <laughs> I'm, I'm the tall blonde right behind me. Uh, is available and uh, she'll be a blessing to you and um, so thank you Gail we're really blessed to have you part of our church and um, just so thankful for your heart for ministry and caring for people and I know that the Lord has some great years ahead for all of us and for you and and we really appreciate it so God bless you everybody I uh, trust that you'll have a wonderful day I hope it's been a blessing to you as you hear this And, uh, you know, Jesus said, in this world, we will have troubles, we will have difficulties, we will suffer loss. But he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And there is a strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. And uh, the, the Spirit of God can take us, 
you know, um, there can come dark clouds, but the sun will still shine. The sun will shine again. God will bring you through. And uh, even in the loss, um, you know, what, what's meant for evil, God can turn for good. Something that seems very bad or whatever can, can be turned for good. And, and, uh, and this is the type of God. So I bless you today. Have a wonderful day. In Jesus' name, amen.